Hey podcast, uh, the Gary V Challenge. Hashtag Gary V Challenge. That's right, I put out the huge deck. How many pages was that, 270? The, the, the deck I put out on my birthday uh, is out there now and now I'm scared. Why am I scared? Because people love consuming information but they hate doing the things in the information. So we're doing the Gary V Challenge. Hashtag Gary V Challenge. What does that mean? I am now challenging you, my audience, to make content at scale. Use the hashtag Gary V Challenge in Facebook, in Instagram, in Twitter, in LinkedIn so that we can find your stuff and I'm gonna pick some winners in January of the people that have gone out and actually made, making, contextually making, making at scale. Please go do that, go check it out. Looking forward to it, please enter. Doing always is better than reading. This is the Gary V Audio Experience. What is up podcast and welcome back. For this episode, we go back to November at the CEO's dinner that Gary had in Dubai. I believe this episode is extremely valuable as he touches on happiness and balance. So make sure to hit him up and let him know what you thought and I hope you enjoy. I would argue that nobody cares about privacy. I know that to be true. I can see the behavior. Yes, sir. My question is, I'm trying to Please. Yeah, by the way, if anybody wants to go very, very specific, I'm here to bring value. I'm happy to answer something very, please. trying to convince them that you're the right guys for it to go to, okay? What has now happened is because of the likes of the great hack, Facebook, all the comments that are flying about about using social media to actually influence decisions, we've been told by our, by the government to slow down our social media. Okay. Because they're saying that we should not be using it very, we should not be using it in an Matter to influence outcome, but I need the votes. I understand. How, well, how would you see that? I see two things in that statement. A, I'd like to listen carefully to what was just said. What was just said wildly confirms so much of what I've been saying for a decade. We are now at a point where there's enough consciousness and data that governments them, this is why blockchain is the most interesting conversation in the world. If, bless you. If blockchain hits scale, it has taken out all the leverage of governments themselves, except for bombs. Think about, think about, so my answer to you, what do you do in that scenario? When you have to fight city hall and they control the rules, you have to be very careful. I don't know, the game of chicken and bluff that you have to play with the government is not something I'll have enough context on. Right, I just wouldn't know what to, you know, I just don't have the dynamics. But, I, but because tonight, you know, anytime I do anything, I wanna bring value. Imagine, we are now in a place where governments are having conversations with institutions to limit their ability to use a free product. 
There's never any, listen, there's never been anything like it. Just so you know. And to your point, I would argue for the people that are the shrewdest here, much like real estate, it'll be interesting to see how much this could go away. Iran has unrest, they shut down the whole internet. There's nothing else you need to know. You know? Not super complicated. This is the great power. The ones that know how to use it will benefit. The ones who don't will be at detriment. I'm fascinated by organizations' ability to spend money to try to communicate on things that are dead or at best, wildly overpriced. Watching every one of these brands put up billboards out here in these beautiful streets and knowing that for a penny on the dollar, they can do four times the impact on Instagram makes me smile. I find it fascinating. So you mentioned privacy. Yes. And and you you hinted to your point, but between the GDPR and other acts of privacy and all the way to where Facebook announced Libra, the currency. Yep. What's your point of view on that space? I don't think humans care. Mm. And I think governments do. And that will be the game. It's a tax play. It's a political play. It's a control play. It's a control play, whatever that may be. Europe thinks of control one way. Russia thinks control, right? Just yeah. it depends on where you live. What's that? Is that worrying? I would argue that if you actually have a thoughtful two-month conversation with yourself about privacy, that if everybody knew everything about everybody, we would be the happiest people on earth. I really do. It's a very interesting conversation if you play it out. I believe that everybody's unhappiness in this room has to do with shadows. Shadows? Shadows. The secrets that you have inside of you. I really believe that. And I'm watching it very carefully. I saw your clip on education. Yes. And you were very specific about it being outdated. The, The way that education is packaged in 2020 and sold is wildly outdated. Our kids are being taught to memorize things that they have the information on, on their phone. Education in the world today is strictly a brand play. Almost every parent in this room only believes in education because of the brand leverage deployed against where the kid goes. Nothing else. So what should we do? Uh, what would you suggest? I think, I think it's very dangerous. I like talking in macro. <laughs> because I, don't, I hate, tell, the thought of telling somebody what to do with their children is out of bounds for me. Everybody knows their own situation. In the macro, I think that education is a foregone conclusion of losing its leverage. I don't think we do anything. I think it's inevitably gonna happen. I would argue that our kids' generation will be, the last, will be either the last or the first generation to not value the brand of college that we're that close. I, I think, pe- you know what people are very bad at? History. I mean, college, is a very modern ROI. It's no different than venture capital or hedge funds. These things are not that old. Lots of things have 30 year runs, 70 year runs, 100 year runs. I think we have a very bad relationship with time and, and we think our world is the world. And uh, I think it's extremely, flaw- I mean it's, 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 it's becoming laughable. You're starting to, str- as somebody who was a bad student 
and grew up in the 80s and 90s and was somebody who always shared ideas. You know, a lot of people first thought my views on education were predicated on me being a bad student. Sure, in some ways, I could, it's very sad that I got no value from six to 18 being who I am. It's sad. I could be much further along in thoughts and hypotheses and productivity and impact. You know? So I think they're very vulnerable. So, But real quick, I apologize. But they're not <laughs> vulnerable in societies where brand is everything. They're really not vulnerable in Dubai. Everything's logo here. Because it's important for the people. People want to say that their kid's going to Harvard yeah. to look good in front of other people. Yeah. This is one big game of insecurity. That's a world thing. That's a, absolutely, that's everywhere. But to your, and I think you'll agree with this, there are clearly certain pockets of the world that it's more intense than others. It is more intense in Dubai than it is in Peru. You know, so like, you know, but yes, no question. That's based on finance, that's based on. 100%, 100%, you know? Or, and as you know, like I think everyone's kind of bright here, there's also certain cultures where even if it's not financial, there is that variable. Or, or occupation, engineer, doctor, you know, 100%. It's, it's actually interesting to me that I'm like, oh no, I might be at the tail end of my business talk career, I might spend the next 20 years of my life talking about parenting. I'm very concerned about, I don't think people, especially of wealth, understand what they're actually doing. If a child is 22 years old and taking money from their parents, they are deeply depressed. But that is not a belief of the parents that are paying for their kids' apartments in New York City. That is not the belief. Don't forget, don't don't forget real quick, I apologize for interrupting, don't forget this. The majority of this room comes from the generation where they themselves and definitely their parents borrowed money from parents and paid back, but the thought of just giving and see you? I mean, in 20 to 50 years, we've gone completely from an amazing thing for parents to do was to lend money that you would pay back to children feeling as though it's just owed that you're on the payroll until forever. That's the parents' fault. That's not the kids. We, I watch 40 to 80 year olds make fun of millennials when they created them. We created them. We've created incredible entitlement and entitlement is the quickest path to a really sad place. And we're gonna blame social media. We're gonna blame technology because we are not good at being held accountable for our actions. So what are the drawbacks? Uh, a, a lot of things. I mean, when you have an open platform, you have the ability for bad voices to scale agenda. Yeah, because I feel with communication, uh, you're sometimes you're reality sometimes. I would argue that letting 12 men around the world for 70 years dictate what reality is, it was a really bad problem. Because life's about, right? Life's about alternatives. You yeah. No. Yeah, yeah, it is, I agree, but depends. On how you say it. Well, I agree with you 100%. Depends what, yeah. I agree with you, I couldn't agree with you more. I agree that it's what perspective. I would rather have an open market because I'm a buyer that humans in the macro are good and that an open market of communication is better than Rupert Murdoch and 17 other people completely dictating the thoughts 
of society through print and television. That's what I would argue. I have a funny feeling that the people that benefited from that system would disagree with me because they don't have the empathy to look at it from a whole. That's what I, but I'm not saying I'm right. Uh, To your point, I think this is a perspective game. I just intuitively believe in humans and open markets. What's really funny is all my friends who are quite wealthy, and I have many of them, love open markets, but want to keep this market closed because they're making money. I understand. Hypocrisy is very easy to detect. Sorry, going back to the subject of like parenting. Yes. I don't, I think, I think that's a tough game. For example, one thing that I was arguing for the last five years, which the math is starting to show in my favor, was five years ago everybody decided to make their children coders. And I kept saying, guys, the reason coders are valuable today is nobody wanted to do it 10 years ago and all the nerds were doing it and that's, it's just called supply and demand. If everybody's a coder, then coding in 20 years is gonna be an $11 an hour job. I don't think that person's right. I could be wrong, but again, I use history. This has happened a lot. Something gets hot, everybody does it. The value, this is, life is supply and demand. It really is. It's why intention's the big one. It's why I'm doing everything that I'm doing with myself, you know. What's fun about what I talk about is, again, I'm not teaching this, I'm living it every day. This is my dog food, I'm eating it. You know? So I don't know. But I will say this, one thing that has emerged to me as a hypothesis, because I don't like guessing, I like everything, you know it's fun for me to talk here because I'm talking about things that I know versus things that I, you know, it's, these are perceptions and things of that nature, but the tactical stuff, the LinkedIn TikTok or the media's underpriced, that's just tactical, I know. Some of the perspectives are perspectives. But I will say this, I do believe emotional intelligence is an incredibly rising asset. I believe things are getting commoditized with technology and that EQ is starting to outpace every other skill. And so I'm very excited that empathy and gratitude and kindness and compassion and sympathy are becoming business advantage skill sets. So people talk about keeping millennials in the workforce and we judge millennials for moving around. They're they're not entitled, they have options. Everyone's like, these kids wanna be vice president in a year, right, all that stuff. They have options. The ability, if you have a half a brain, to make $200,000 a year on the internet, at 22, doing 37 things I can rattle off for you, is very high. The fuck are they gonna get paid $86,000 to do bullshit work that we did as kids? 90% 90% of this room looking around would have done it too. You would have left too. You wouldn't be in this room if you wouldn't have left too. It's time. <laughs> We're imposing a prior world on their reality. Now, do I think they're entitled? Yes, I think because of the stuff I was talking about earlier, which is we paid for everything. Paid for everything. Yes, sir. Um, there's a lot of work about, you know, Steve Jobs didn't let his kids use the iPad. Right. Media consumption uh, with, with 
young adults and children. What's your view generally on media consumption of young adults and children? And if your view is positive, what kind of media do you think is appropriate? I want my kids to consume technology and information 24 hours a day. Twenty-four hours a day. They won't, and I understand. I, I think people really demonize the realities because they didn't grow up with it. Like, what world do you think our children are going to live in? And I'm listen to your point earlier, which I think was the right point. Everything in life is balance, and so what I can tell you is, it that doesn't scare me. I know they won't. I'll I'll, I'll give you one. What people don't realize is the digital world is forcing people to be more active, not the other way around. People are living a PR'd version of their life and they're doing more physical activities and different activities for the photo on the digital platform. I'm serious, I'm serious. People are really bad at looking at data. People are bad at looking at, people are very good at having an opinion. People are very bad at looking at macro data. Please. Um, you spoke about distribution yes. and you spoke about content. Yes. What are your ABCs of compelling content? Uh, thank you. Uh, I'm very big on the truth. <laughs> it's really important. Like it seems basic, but almost nobody wants to put out the truth in their content. Of the psychology of the person while they're on that platform. Like, you know, you know, I could see you were being intuitive about this. You and me on Instagram are totally different than you and me on LinkedIn. Different. Just like we're different here now than if we were at a party, then if, right? That is something people struggle with tremendously. Um, I'm extremely passionate on uh, cultural currency. You cannot imagine how much you can do when you actually understand the slang of the moment. Being cool. Or just knowing what that audience wants, right? Like, knowing what memes, what slang, what colors, what out, like, all that stuff has, it's unbelievable. Current currency is incredibly valuable. Um, And probably the single reason that I broke out from everybody else, I think the single most important thing about content is consuming the qualitative feedback after you put it out. Qualitative, qualitative, not quantitative? Correct. The quants, the commodity, everybody else has it too. The qual and the ability to synthesize the qual. So the insights that come out of the quantitative. AKA, read every single comment and have the natural ability to glean the insight that lets you inform the next piece of content. And that's why it's such a fun game because everyone's gonna lean into the math. Everybody leans into the black and white because it's black and white. All the upside is in the gray. Yes, ma'am. So teens developing the brains at that time. I'm sorry, teens. teens yes. the brains. And you say the most important thing is EQ, but they're all twice as good for hours. It's a different kind of empathy. I would argue they get so much more empathy out of that they have so much more context and content consumption, right? I I think that, you know, it's very interesting to me that we would put a piece of paper and a pencil on a pedestal, but we would demonize a phone, right? Like, why is writing a letter 
a more noble act than sending a text. We glamorize the distribution, but not the communication. It's what we do. It's what old people do. It's always been like that. Go read the article. Go read, actually, I'm not kidding. I, I think this, you know, I'm trying to think about like, wow, this is a really great crowd. What can I say that like forever brings them value? Go read old, old stuff. Go read all the newspaper articles about the kaleidoscope and how it was going to destroy the children of the world. Real, real, go read it. You'd think you're reading about the iPhone. The number one un- underrated brand in the world is the human being. Guys, our brain capacity hasn't, we have, us are not even touching it. You don't think they can handle the screen? It's laughable. I know, and it's very, it's an unpopular take. I'm just hoping that I can stay healthy enough to be heralded for seeing it. It's good the kids are not here. What's that? <laughs> Of course it's reality. But of course I think it's shaping their minds. But of course it's reality. You mean people PRing themselves? Yeah. So for example We've always done that. Yeah, I mean Why do you think people buy cars and homes? Okay, I'm I'm talking about social media. So for example today when you're talking about specific social media where you no longer know the truth behind that product. You don't know the truth behind anything. This is what human beings do. You have a much better chance of finding truth on the internet than you do in your neighborhood and college. In what sense? You're, you're limited to the information you see in front of them and everybody's been faking the whole time. People always fake. You went on a great trip to St. Bart's with your family this year. Did you? <laughs> I mean it guys and you know this. You know it. It's always been like this. We're just seeing it now. Social media exposes us. It doesn't change us. It's the mirror. It's the mirror. It's the mirror. I'm telling you it's the mirror. Which is why the insights are so powerful. It's the fucking mirror. And if you get really good at reading the mirror, you know exactly where things are going. Couldn't agree more. That are, yes. are, are more valuable than, this is my opinion. Respect. And, and, and I'm happy to hear your feedback. Yeah, please. I, I would argue that it's more valuable yep. than, you know, seeing I a, a heartfelt post on I understand. whatever. Uh, well, first of all, there are so many people in this room who have the inability to read the subtleties in a human interaction. My father's ability to read any body language is zero. Yeah, but we're all YPOers, so we're very, very alive. <laughs> <laughs> so I would argue that they're just different. Uh, they're different skills. As somebody who's incredibly good at it in real life, I've been incredibly good at it in digital life, which is why I've been able to glean the insights. I don't know, because I just haven't thought about it, so I'm glad, this is why I love this, now I'm going to. Is that skill map? Or can one be good in one place or the other? Probably one good place or the other, you would just think, because there's so many chemical variables, but yeah, I, I, I agree they're different. 
I don't necessarily agree one's better than the other. I would also argue that just because you're on your device all day doesn't mean you can't do the other thing. I know many of my daughter's 10-year-old friends who I analyze crazy, who only live in their phone, who have ridiculous body language understanding. I would argue that it's a natural skill. And sure, there's practice, but let's remember, we're still not in the era where these kids live in a bubble all day. As much as they're on their phone. My friends, we were on things too. We were reading magazines, but for people, girls in my high school looked at Vogue and Cosmo for four hours while being on a three-way call with their girlfriends for four hours after school. The hell's the difference? You know, I'm telling you, once you, this is, this is what it is. It's when you take a step back, look at it from a different perspective, contextualize the past, you start getting into some very interesting things, which is humans are consistent and will always, always, and have always wrapped themselves around the modern technology and communication things. This notion that this is now the time where this is all gonna fall apart is audacious. Let me. You said something about big data, can you say a little more of that? Yeah, it's an extremely fun buzzword in government and big business and everybody's got it and nobody's doing anything with it. So but you can do a lot with it. Unbelievable amounts. But everybody thinks just having it is the win. That's like having a basketball. You know, I'm not LeBron James. What you do with the big data, that actually takes human beings. There are so many emerging jobs that we're not talking about. I'm, I'm hiring hundreds of people to just analyze data based on my belief, on my subjective belief, on their ability to be intuitive with it. That's why the math is the commodity, while everybody's going all in on the math. That's what always happens, right? Look what happened in Hollywood. Everybody made tons of money for 50 years on the distribution, now all the money's in the IP. The internet is the middle, just so you know. If you're in the business of being in the middle, it's just a matter of time. It could be 40 years and you're retired and you don't give a shit, but it is the middle. The internet is the middle. Bookstores got hit first. Then limousines and taxis. You will be hit. It's just a matter of time. You spoke about the middle right now and you threw in blockchain 20 minutes ago. You elaborated blockchain. Because I think that's, that's something that most of us yeah, are reading up about. But how's it gonna... It's a framework, like the internet's a framework, except the internet has people in the middle. It's called Apple, Facebook, Amazon. There's gatekeepers. That's why they become the biggest companies in the world. Blockchain doesn't. And if it scales and becomes where we play, you're talking about a very interesting world. Is it, is it scales or when it's I think it's if, because I don't think governments will let it scale as naturally as we let the internet scale. America, China, and Russia have zero collective vested interest in letting blockchain scale. So that's gonna be interesting. I don't, I, that's, you know, listen, you can see I speak with a lot of conviction. You can see that when I hear another insight, I get excited about the thought. This one I've spent a lot of time on, 
I just can't put the pieces in my head together. It just, it just seems, you know, I just can't go, I don't, you know, but, but I can add the context of if. Because if you play, what I'm pretty good at naturally is playing chess. If this happens and this happens, right? Um, I don't overvalue the past, which is a lot of what the questions here are about. Um, and I play. That one, when I play, you know, that one was fun because that's where I got into like some pretty heady people I know in government and I just can't get to my answer on that one. I just don't know how that one, that, it's just, it's intense. It, it becomes almost a war of, of the humans on earth versus the governments at earth at scale. It's really intense. It's pretty interesting, you know? Um, so a bit more specific. Please. I'm into, I'm into manufacturing. Okay. So we manufacture what is white piping systems. So we're trying to get into the African market, for example. Yep, makes sense. And the way to do it is basically we have to go there, and go into exhibitions. And do you think? Yes. The internet would solve my problem. If I had a hundred thousand dollars, fifty thousand, ten thousand dollars, you would sell a lot more pipes than a fucking exhibition. <laughs> I mean, by you telling me who buys the pipes and then me going and figuring out where that decision maker consumes information and then me creating information that builds brand equity for your business which then leads to top of the funnel sales opportunities. So if I get this right, it's to identify the final decision maker. Always. And then go I'll give I'll give you one that's gonna blow everybody's mind. I market to 14-year-old girls on TikTok because I have the data that proves to me that the 14-year-old girl in America now is influencing the mother because mothers no longer mother, they want to be friends, and the 14-year-old girl is influencing the mother and the mother is the one that buys the product for the father. When I try to sell deodorant, this is real, when I try to sell deodorant to 50-year-old men, I target 14-year-old teenage girls. It's interesting, right? It's wrong. Right. So what is your new thesis? Brands grow through relevance at scale to as, me- to as many cohorts as possible until, until there's diminishing returns on the creative and the media. That you need 50,000 content. That's it. You got it. That book, How Brands Built, is destroying every CPG in the world. And I'm pumped. But by the way, just so you know what I'm up to because I want to buy the New York Jets, in America, uh, I'm building this machine, waiting for the economy to collapse, going global so I have multiple arbitrages, and then I'm going to buy historic brands and refurbish them either in new geographic places or in contemporary communication. We have a couple of minutes, so any pressing questions and then probably we have some time for, for pictures. So please go ahead. Yes, sir. Um, Looking back at your crystal ball, you know, 20 years, what um, startups do you think you know, would be tomorrow's Facebook? The, the, these are always hard for me because what I'm much better at is this moment versus the future, but I will say this. I haven't invested in a long time, once in a blue moon, but I'm saving a lot of money to invest in a specific thing. When the iPhone came along, I knew. I knew it was the next medium, 
And that's why I invested in Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr. I did extremely well. Whatever, whenever I think that the voice devices are at scale, I will invest in all the apps that are being built on top of it. That's what I'm waiting for. I'll give you an example. There's a startup I know right now that uses Alexa that when you start reading your child in the room, (laughs) how cool is it, D-Rock? So this is what I do. I get in early and I watch and I'm patient and I look for timing. The reason I don't lose a lot of money is all my friends invest in VR and AR. It's too early. The consumer's not ready. The technology's ready. We're not ready. Uh, when you start reading the book to your child, Alexa recognizes it and then starts doing sounds. If you're like, and the boy was running through the rain, Alexa's like, shh. It's amazing. And it works already. And it was a year and a half ago. So, um, voice. Voice is the toll booth. What I'm very good at is investing in toll booth employees. I'm not good at building the toll booth. I'm a very good toll booth collector. I know that voice is the next toll booth and then I'm gonna be looking for the collectors. Got it? You understand the analogy? I, I'm, I'm not gonna build the iPhone, but I knew to invest in apps. I'm not gonna build Facebook, but I know how to leverage it for me. I know how to use it more than it uses me. I would argue that we can all use these platforms, but we've all bought into the headlines that they're using us. Let me remind everybody that these companies are so bad, they're free. They're fucking free. You're also more than welcome to not use it. When you watch television, they run ads too. They're using you. When you read newspapers, there's an ad when you turn the page. They're using you. Mainstream media is demonizing these platforms because they're about to kill mainstream media. People are not thoughtful. That is something I've learned. So you agree that, uh, and this is an extreme case, like Cambridge Analytica, yes. the insidious influences, you agree that that's incorrect? No, I do not. I believe that if I put in front of you something, that it's your job to decide if that's true or not. I believe that those people wanted to believe what was put in front of them based on the behavior that they put into the machine. No, I do not. That's like blaming somebody who buys something on a commercial while they watch Fox News that demonizes immigrants. No, I do not. I believe that people are very, very one-dimensional in this conversation, and I came here tonight to add a dimension to the conversation. Uh, Guys, real quick, I got D's and F's my entire (laughs) childhood. I'm serious, because I know a lot of people probably have, like, we need to have this conversation of self-awareness. We all have people we care about in our lives. We need to reverse engineer people one by one. We have the options. You know, like, I feel really weird right this minute. That like was a very good talk and I'm like sitting and analyzing myself and I'm like, fuck, how did this kid fucking get these and F's? That's the punchline. That's the punchline. We need to figure this out. So not only better, better business people, but better parents. Uh, Thank you, Gary. Thank you, guys. Thank Thank you. 
Thanks guys for listening. Please, please, please share the podcast and make sure you've subscribed because a bunch of you aren't subscribed and more importantly, a bunch of you listen every day and haven't told your friends it's the best podcast in the world. I'm watching. (laughs) Have a great day.